Hi, thanks for listening. In 20 seconds or less, I wanted to ask if you would consider supporting the show with a one-time donation of $1 to $3. The funds go to subscription fees, equipment upkeep, and a general sense of well-being. Links in the show notes. And again, thanks for listening. Okay, on with the show. Chapter 21 Beverly sat hunched in her seat and stared out the windshield at the open door of the Western Interconnection building. She kept a death grip on the steering wheel and revved the engine as the seconds ticked away, with no sign yet of Gary. Her emotions, stretched to the breaking point, finally snapped. She reached down and put the truck in reverse. She was about to pull away, when Gary came running out of the building. The passenger door flew open, and he threw himself in, spilling into Beverly's lap. Did it work? Beverly said. Gary braced himself against the dash with one hand, and wiped his stringy hair from his face with the other. Well, sorta. They definitely have trouble with stairs, but they know about the buddy system just fine, Gary said not taking his eyes off the front of the building. Beverly knit her brow in confusion, but didn't take the time to ask what he meant by that. She stomped on the gas and the big truck rumbled away from the building, flattening a group of three shufflers behind them. She cranked the wheel and headed for the Eastern Interconnection. The Eastern Interconnection building loomed in the distance. Gary turned and grabbed the door handle, prepared to jump out. Rather than slowing the truck and bringing it in close to the front entrance, Beverly stepped down harder on the gas. What are you doing? Gary said. Beverly kept her eyes straight ahead. You know women, we love to make an entrance, she said, gripping the steering wheel even tighter. Beside her, Gary held on to the handle above his head and put his left foot on the dash, pressing himself back into his seat bracing for impact. I don't know about women. I'm a nerd, remember? He said. Beverly shook her head. Ah, come on, Gary. I thought nerds read stuff, she said. Gary took a sharp intake of breath as the view of the building filled their windshield. My studies have shown that the stuff in books about women is highly unreliable. Gary's voice rose several octaves, as the nose of the truck plowed through the front of the building, coming to a rocking, tumultuous stop at the top of the stairs. Beverly looked around at what she had done. A pleased look came over her face as she calmly undid her seatbelt. Okay, we're here. Let's do this, she said, grabbing the bolt cutters and jumping out of the truck. On the passenger side, Gary still clung to the strap over his head with his right hand. His left hand and foot were still stuck to the dashboard. He stared out of the windshield. Insert snarky one-liner about women drivers here, he said, as the dust settled and debris fell from above, bouncing off the hood of the truck. Are you coming? Beverly said, from the front of the truck. Gary stared at her through the windshield for several more seconds 
then tentatively opened the passenger door and crawled out. He stood by the side of the truck and looked back at the hole they punched through the front of the building before turning and following Beverly down the stairs. That really worked out better than I thought it would. Those things can't get around the truck to get inside, and we don't have to go back out to get into the truck. Talk about your drive through huh? Beverly said, practically skipping down the stairs. Gary could only shake his head as he followed her down. Ninety seconds later, Gary and Beverly came racing back up the stairs. Beverly jumped behind the wheel as Gary climbed in next to her. All right, one more like this and we are home free, Beverly said as she dropped the truck into reverse. The truck lumbered out and away from the eviscerated building, cutting a wake through the clamoring dead as they fell on either side and were crushed into the dirt. Chapter 22 Beverly and Gary bounced across the yard towards the Texas interconnection. The wave of positive energy that filled them just seconds before drained out of Gary as they approached the building. Oh, crap! I forgot! He said. What? Beverly said as she began to accelerate the truck in anticipation of her grand entrance. Well, remember how I said that Texans thought they were better than everybody else, which is why they had to have their own grid? Yeah, Beverly said. Well, the Texans like to build monuments, Gary said. The racing engine of the big truck dropped to an idle, an audible cue as they slowed to a stop in front of the Texas Interconnection Building. Out in front, and blocking any chance of the truck plowing through the door, set a huge stone monument to the history of energy in Texas. We can't even pull close to the doors because of that thing, Beverly said. Gary leaned over and looked out the driver's side window at the building. Well, I guess we walk from here, Beverly said, unbuckling her seatbelt. She was just about to reach for the door when Gary grabbed her shoulder. She turned and saw Gary looking at the driver's side mirror. She spun her head around and saw what Gary was looking at. Behind them, a horde of undead advanced towards them. Shit, Beverly said, and hit the gas. The truck jumped forward, gaining speed as it raced away. What now, Gary? How bad do you want to save Texas? Beverly said. Texans are people, too. Maybe they will build a monument to us, he said, as he looked at his own side mirror, watching the horde drop away. Okay, what do you want me to do? Beverly said. Gary thought a moment, then looked out the back window of the cab. Quick, pull around to the back of the building. I have an idea, he said. Beverly looked sharply at him, then turned the wheel and headed around to the back of the building. What are you thinking, Gary? Is there a door we can ram through back here? Beverly said. The question was answered for her as she rounded the corner and saw that the whole length of the building was an edifice of concrete block. Midway down was a single steel door, with no outside handle. We're not getting in that way, Gary, Beverly said. A pull-up parallel to the building, close. I'm going to go in through the roof, Gary said. The roof, how... 
Beverly's words were cut off as Gary thumbed back at the window. Beverly looked out the back window at the bucket lift. Oh, um, sure, she said, then looked forward and stomped on the gas. Racing to the back of the building, she ran the truck parallel to the wall, as Gary instructed, almost tearing off her side mirror before coming to a stop. She looked to her side and realized she would not be able to open her door because of how close she was to the wall. She turned and reached for her bolt cutters, but they weren't there. Beverly looked up sharply at Gary. "'Gary, what are you doing?' she said. "'Someone has to stay down here in the truck. If the truck is surrounded and we're both outside, we won't be able to get back in, and we'll never get back to the main building,' Gary said. "'Fine, then let me go,' Beverly said. Gary shook his head. "'No, Bev, whatever happens, you have to get away from this place. If I don't come back out, or if you get surrounded and it starts to look bad, you need to get out of here, okay?' Gary said. "'But what about the locks, Gary? You need me to cut the locks,' she said. Gary smiled. "'I'll be fine,' he said. She was about to protest further but Gary slipped out and slammed the door. She turned in panic and watched as Gary climbed the back of the truck and hopped into the bucket lift. Seconds later, she heard the whine of hydraulics as the lift began its slow ascent towards the roof. Movement caught her eye, and she looked in the passenger-side mirror. An army of the undead was running towards them. Chapter 23 Beverly looked out the back window. The lift stopped moving and she felt the truck bounce as Gary climbed from the bucket onto the roof. The wave of zombies washed around the truck and began slamming their bodies into it. To her relief, the truck's rocking was impeded by its proximity to the wall. She looked through the windshield and out the passenger side at the sea of ruined faces and gnashing teeth moving in around her. A cacophony of moans was the soundtrack of the horror that assaulted her as they surrounded the truck and closed in. Gary raced across the roof. The moaning dead below amplified off the concrete wall of the building. He knew the dead were assaulting Beverly, that more than likely she would not be there when he came back out. He did not slow down. He had other, more pressing matters to attend to. He skidded to a stop and dropped the bolt cutters. Raising the crowbar high over his left shoulder, he was about to hit the door handle when he paused. A thought occurred to him. It was a trope in movies for the hero to be about ready to smash the door lock, then stop and try the knob, only to find that it was unlocked. He lowered the crowbar and grabbed the door handle. It didn't budge. Figures, he said. Raising the crowbar high over his shoulder, he held his breath. This is not a crowbar in my hand. This is my plus five righteous avenger. With it, I will protect the weak and slay the wicked, he said, then brought the crowbar smashing down on the handle. There was a metallic sound, and the handle was a bent and mangled mess at his feet. Gary watched the door swing open. All right, Josadak, let's do this he said, as he grabbed up the bolt cutters and ran down the steps leading to the main breaker room below. 
Geary's confidence was bolstered by his attack on the door lock. The thought that it was just a cheap door lock, more a formality than anything, and not a deadbolt, sprang to his mind, and that confidence wavered. He knew he was not strong, that Beverly had to cut the locks for him. He lived in his mind, not his body, and most days he was fine with that. Today, at this moment, he was not sure that what he had would be enough. He reached the bottom of the stairs and raced over to the row of terminals. There, as if mocking him, hung the five large padlocks. He dropped the crowbar and stepped up to the first lock. He took a deep breath, closed his eyes, and tried to focus. Placing the jaws of the bolt cutters on the first lock, he began to squeeze the handles together and met resistance. After several seconds, his shoulders and arms began to shake. Undeterred, he took another breath and squeezed again. I am not Gary Sykes. I am Josedak, paladin of the realm. With my mind I discern the plans of the wicked. With my righteous avenger I bring those plans to nothing. I will defend the poor and the weak. I am Josedak, paladin of the realm, Gary said. The words a benediction. He squeezed harder on the cutters, his arms straining. The cutters slipped off the lock and Gary fell to the floor. He lay there, breathing heavy from the effort. After a moment, he sat up and rubbed his shoulders. I'm such a loser, he said. He thought again of his paladin, his mind scouring any resource he might tap into that would allow him to do what he needed to do. For a second, he thought it might work. Then he remembered his paladin was on the chopping block for a cowardly act, and Gary's confidence failed him. His paladin was not a coward. He did what he thought was right for the good of his people. These thoughts were another false start, and Gary sat slumped on the floor. He would sit there until Beverly was forced to flee. Then he would wait for the inevitable. You're no paladin. You're... you're nothing. And Josedak Fireheart is a coward, he said, his words echoing off the cavernous walls of the room. Several seconds passed, then Gary stared straight ahead, his face a sneer. He is not a coward. The witch was conjuring, I know it, he said, the words low and menacing. Gary looked up at the ceiling, the words now exploding from him. Josedak Fireheart is not a coward! Standing now, he turned to the row of terminals. Josedak Fireheart is a paladin of the realm, you motherfuckers! He picked up the bolt cutters and marched up to the first lock. He again placed the blades onto the shank and squeezed. His face turned red, and the shaking returned to his shoulders. I am not Gary Sykes. I am Josedak, paladin of the realm, he said, more grunting than shouting. The handles began to come together, and then there was a tingling metallic sound, followed by a clunk as the shaft snapped and the big lock fell to the floor. Yeah, he said, running to the next terminal. He jammed the bolt cutters on the lock and squeezed. With my mind I discern the plans of the wicked. The lock snapped and fell away. He moved to the third. With my righteous avenger I bring those plans to nothing. A loud snap and another lock fell. The fourth lock now faced his wrath. 
I will defend the poor and the weak. The handles came together quickly now, and the lock bounced on the floor and skidded away. One more to go. He thrust the cutters at the lock, felt a tinge of resistance, and squeezed. I am Gary Sykes. I am paladin of this realm. The last lock fell to the floor. Taking a moment, he surveyed the field of battle. Open terminal doors and busted locks stared back at him. He raised the bolt gutters above his head and shouted, Women love me, men want to be me. His euphoria gave way quickly to the present reality, and he started flipping the breakers in each of the boxes. With the last switch flipped, he ran back to the stairs. He got halfway up, then turned and looked back down at the vanquished terminals. Thanks, Josedak, he said to himself, before turning and racing back up to the roof. As he burst through the door and scanned the edge for the bucket lift, his heart sank. The lift was nowhere to be seen. Beverly was gone.